Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Charles Neiman, Senior Pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. All right. Hey, join me in welcoming the West Side Church to service with us tonight. Hey, guys, love you. Amen. We're here. You're there. We're there. You're here. I just hope we don't get caught like in, you know, Star Trek in the middle there with our molecules somewhere. I went really nerdy there, didn't I, huh? Star Trek. Okay. Are you ready to get in the Word tonight? Amen. I'm so ready to take you into the Word tonight. All right. If you got your Bible with you tonight, open it with me once again to Luke, the 18th chapter. This has been our foundation text in this study, and we've got about uh, three more weeks in this series. And uh, I thought it was going to end in two weeks, but I came up with another lesson today. That I, It's just too good. It's just too good to cut it off. So we're just going to take it right up to... Uh, Thrive Conference. So we'll go, we'll go right from burning the right flag right into Thrive. Sound good? All right, Luke 18, verse 1. And Jesus spoke a parable to them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. All right, and not to faint. Let me kind of go back here to some of these definitions, right? Uh, just so we can kind of renew our mind, get our, get our thinking back. Uh you know, the, the, word, the word faint there means uh, that you don't turn out to be a coward. You know, so Jesus warns us, you know, don't, 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 don't allow this to happen to you. Don't, don't, don't let your heart go in that direction. Uh, to lose your courage, we're going to come back to that thought in a moment. To be slothful in duty, to lose your soul or your heart, to grow weary. All right, the literal text, Jesus said, don't throw in the towel, don't wave the white flag. Okay, so much of life happens to us, and not all of it is, is good. Some of it is, is not good. And a lot of things happen to us that, that cause us on an ongoing basis. You know, I've said to you every week that in my 40-plus-year 40 40 year walk with the Lord, I've discovered that there is a pattern, even while living in His kingdom, that there is a reoccurring pressure that has come against my life and continues to come against my life to get me to wave the white flag. Now, why haven't I? Why haven't I at various times in my life? Why haven't I? Well, I jotted some things down. Number one, if I surrender to Satan or to my circumstances or to the world, is my life going to get better? Right? If, if I throw in the white flag, is, is all the ugly and all the pressure and all, is that all going to leave me? No, it's just going to roll right over the top of me. Come on, grow up. Amen? Amen. Number two, go back to what? Hmm? Go back to what? I'm not a pig. I'm not going to go back to my mud. I'm not a dog. I'm not going to go back to the vomit. Go back to what? Hmm? You know, Satan always says, well, you know, you ought to quit serving the Lord and go back. Go back to what? I came to the Lord because I didn't like living in the mud and eating my own vomit. Hmm? What about the legacy to my children? That's a big deal to me. Hmm? What do my kids think? What do my grandkids think? What your kids think of me? 
What about the legacy to my children? Oh, dad caved in. Dad drove the white flag. Dad, dad, dad threw in the towel. Well, what kind of legacy is that? 40 years of serving God? Hmm? What will I say to the Lord? Right? You know, you get to the end of your life, you know, and, 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 and you walk in and he's there. I mean, what, 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 what are you going to say to him? Well, it got hard. And he's sitting there with holes in his hands, scars on his head, scars on his back, a hole in his side. And I'm talking to him about life getting hard. All 12 of his disciples except John deserted him. Talk about, right? Hmm? What will I say to those I'm accountable to? I mean, what, what, what am I going to say to Tommy? What am I going to say to Brian Houston? What, what am I going to say to Don Cable? What, what am I going to say to the guys I'm accountable to? Am I helping anybody tonight, right? What will I say to you? That's why I don't wave the white flag. I'm not going to give in. All those reasons. All right? So, didn't mean to give you all that tonight. Ate up a lot of time right there. So we just, we've discovered that, that that thought there in Luke also works into Ephesians 6 where Paul talked about the, the importance of perseverance in our life in, in reference to the whole armor of God. The, the importance of perseverance. And perseverance means persistence in a course of action. Purpose and doggedness, and grit. I like those words, doggedness, grit, right? The dictionary defines grit as firmness of character, indomitable spirit, resolution, backbone, resolve, metal, strength of will, toughness, determination, tenacity, endurance. The synonym is guts. <laughs> huh? I didn't know Paul was from Texas. I've said to you week after week that perseverance and grit and passion matter more in your life than talent. They matter more in life than talent. There's a lot of talented people never, never get anywhere. Let me drop this thought on you. Even if you get somewhere because your talent is so great, without perseverance and grit and passion, you won't stay there. If you don't believe me, just look back over the world. So all kinds of people with such incredible talent, you could, you, you, their, their talent took them, but they had no perseverance, they had no grit, they had no passion, and they're gone. They're gone off the scene. Sports people, entertainment people, politicians. Come on, you can say amen. amen. They're gone. So it's those things that take us there and keep us there. How many of you would agree, right? So we've been looking at this, right, about... This pressure on us to burn the white flag. Now, let's get into what I want us to look at tonight, right? Uh, the last two weeks, we've looked at discouragement and about how, and how discouragement tries to get into our lives and cause us to wave the white flag and, as we looked at last week, to affect our perception of life and our perception of things. You remember I said to you, there's a saying, I, I didn't originate, but there's a saying that says, that reality is not what is, reality is what you perceive it to be. And that all of us have been frightened 
by a shadow. Right? And I told you the embarrassing story. And I'm not going to tell it again. Please, Lord. All right? I probably will sometime. Okay? So we looked at Israel coming to the promised land. And we saw how ten discouraged leaders discouraged over two million people. And, and, and every time I say that, and I wrote it in my notes tonight, and I underlined it and put an exclamation point and a question mark, and exclamation question mark, and the, for me is, who am I letting speak into my life? Who am I letting speak into my life? Because discouraged people can discourage you. And you have to guard your heart. Can I hear a good amen tonight, right? That, that, so, we, so we looked at all that in, in, in detail. And then last week I talked to you about how discouragement affects our perception. And I thought we were done with it. I was going to go in another direction tonight. But as in between last week and this week, I just kind of kept looking for my own self. And I discovered that there are some other applications in Scripture of how discouragement tries to get into us. And I thought it would be really the mind of the Lord to come in and share those other ways and how that, that word is discouragement is translated in those scriptures. Does that make sense to you? you know I mean, we looked at one in Deuteronomy, and that one meant that their hearts turned to water, right? And you always know, you always know you're battling discouragement when you start giving in to the easiest path. Because water always follows the easiest path, right? You also know you're discouraged if, if your heart gets really cold, right? Because water freezes. It also evaporates, right? If you feel like you just your heart's just not in it anymore. Well, I tell you, honey, my heart's just not in it. Well, you need to get your heart back in it. That's discouragement. It really answers a lot of questions if you meditate upon it. If you think about it, it really answers a lot of questions. And what it is, is that Satan trying to get you and me to wave the white flag, to give up, to not have the life, the abundant life that Jesus wants us to have. Does that make sense to you? Okay, and so I want us to look at these other ways that discouragement uh, tries to creep in or to invade our hearts and get us to wave the white flag because the dictionary, Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint, and the word faint meant to lose your courage or to become discouraged, right? If, if you lose your courage, then you are discouraged. So let's, let's begin looking at it. Now let me give you a, a definition, uh, a dictionary definition of the word discourage. And then we'll look at specific other definitions as they appear in the original text. All right? The dictionary, secular dictionary, defines the word discourage means to deprive of courage. Okay, but listen to this. To deprive of courage, hope, or confidence. Now... That should ring a lot of bells to those of you that have been with me on the weekends when I've been teaching on faith. Because this weekend we spent the whole service showing you the power of hope connected with faith and love. And that if you have no hope, then you have nothing for faith to become the substance of. So you have this great power in you to overcome, but you're not going to overcome because you have no hope. And without hope, faith has nothing to become the substance of. So discouragement comes to cause you to lose your hope then affects your faith. Wow. Right? And it also means confidence. You know, remember that one of the definitions of, of, of the word confession of faith is that you, ha you have boldness or confidence in speaking. 
So there he takes, so, so you see how discouragement is playing in a bigger field than maybe any of us have ever imagined. Because not only do you kind of wave the white flag emotionally, you then don't have, your faith now really begins to struggle because you don't have anything for faith to become the substance of, and you lose your boldness or your confidence in your speaking, which is how faith is manifested because faith is believing and speaking. Right? So you see how dangerous, yeah, give the Lord a great hand clap for that. I don't blame you. Right? Now, if you like that part of the definition, listen to this one. Get ready. Woo! Okay? It means to dishearten. To dishearten or to take your heart out. Remember what Jesus said? He said that men are faint not, and the word faint there means to lose your heart. Hmm? So discouragement means to dishearten, listen to this, by expressing disapproval or by suggesting that a contemplated action or course will probably fail. Let me read it to you again. To dishearten. So discouragement comes in the form of expression, in the form of saying. Woo! Right? To dishearten by expressing disapproval. Disapproval. Well, I, I think that's wrong. I disagree with that. I, dis, I, 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 I don't approve of that. I don't, right? By expressing disapproval or by suggesting that a contemplated action or course will probably fail. I was writing that definition down today, and the Lord brought to my memory something I'd forgotten about. Probably 35 years ago, somewhere between 30 and 35 years ago, there was a, a pastor here in town, nice man. I made an appointment, come to see me. He's an elderly guy. I'm sure, I'm sure he's gone to be with the Lord by now. And uh, he came to me, and, he, and, and we, we, we had some growth and things. You know, God was doing things, and we were, I think we were moving out here. We were moving out. We were building the building next door. It was a huge step, and he came to see me. And I made it, you know, came in, and I was very honored that he that he would come, and and he sat down in my office, and he kind of looked at me, and and he and he had this this. To be honest with you, I, re I remembered it so clearly once the Lord brought it back to me. He kind of had a little bit of a condescending smile on his face, and I'm I'm pretty sensitive to that. To that, I don't like to have it done to me, and I don't like to do it to people. And uh, so I said, you know, sir, I'm, I'm so blessed. You know, why'd you come to see me? And he said, well, he said, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, about what God's doing at your church. And he says, it's really beautiful. And I said, well, thank you. And he said, you know, it's a great thing to see. And I said, well, thank you. He said, you know, when I started back in the day, I had big dreams like you do. And I had a big vision like you have. But I really felt I needed to come and tell you today it's not going to work. You really ought to rethink. I remember now. He said, you really ought to rethink about buying all that land and going out there and building that building. He said, you got a nice building downtown. It's easy. You can take care of it. You ought to just stay right here and be happy right here. He said, because he said, you, you're, you're, you're probably going to fail. And you're going to get a lot of debt. 
and the people of El Paso are not going to go for this. People of El Paso don't believe in big, nice stuff, and, and you're probably going to fail. And I believe that I'm here to help you not to get hurt like I was hurt. So, what was that? Now, I believe he came with a good heart, but he came with a discouraged heart. And his discouragement was trying to jump in me. Because misery loves company. So you got to be careful for that. Now, my reaction was one that I don't think the devil planned on. Because my reaction was, I'm going to prove you wrong. So that was my reaction. Tim's story posted on his uh, Twitter thing today that when he was in the sixth grade, his teacher told him, you have a great mind and you have great potential. And he said, and I believed him and I went out and did something. I wrote back to him and said, when I was in the eighth grade, my teacher told me that I would never amount to anything. My reaction was, I'm going to prove you wrong. Now, that's not how everybody reacts. And in the nation of Israel, we saw 10 spies come out and said, we can't do it. We're going to fail. We're going to be destroyed. And 2 million people went with them. Two guys said, let's go right now. Right? So that's always interesting, right, that in a room, you can have people that get infected by the discouragement, and then there are people that reject it, and it actually makes them a little angry. I pray that you will be, I'm sorry I scared you there. I pray <laughs> that you will become one of those people that from now on rejects discouragement. Amen. Amen. So watch out for that. Let me read it to you again. To dishearten. So they're trying to take your heart out. <laughs> oh, that gets me. To dishearten by expressing disapproval or by suggesting that a contemplated action or course will probably fail. All right, let's look at it now. Are you ready? I'm going to give you some examples in the Bible where discouragement is used. I'm going to set the context around it. I'm going to give you the definition of the word. Does that make sense? So we're going to look at the verse. We're going to see the context, and we're going to get the definition and see how the definition fits into the context. So if you got your Bible, turn with me quickly to Numbers chapter 32. Numbers chapter 32. Now, I can't hear any of you West Side people turning your pages, so you need, you need to get with it over there. Amen. You can't. We can see you. We're everywhere. Numbers chapter 32. Wow, it's taking me forever to find this. Numbers 32, verse 6. And Moses said to the children of Israel and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war and you sit here? And wherefore discourage you the heart of the children of Israel from going over to the land which the Lord has given them? Now, what's happened in this context is they, they, they're, they're coming to the promised land and Reuben and another tribe have come to Moses and said to Moses, we don't want to go into the promised land. We're happy on this side of the Jordan River. So when everybody crosses, we're going to stay over here. We're happy over here. It is amazing to me 
how many people, when they see the abundant life that Jesus wants them to have, decide they don't want it? I don't, I don't say that judgmentally. It just amazes me. How many people, right? So two tribes tell Moses they don't want to go into the promised land. What? You don't want to go into a land that promotes health and prosperity? You want to stay over here? Wow. All right? So Moses said that their willingness, watch this, their willingness to not go into the promised land was going to discourage the other ten tribes. Now we've got the reverse. The first time around, we had ten spies that said we can't go in and two that said we can. Now we've got ten tribes that say we can go in and two that said they don't want to. It's weird. I can't explain that. I just find it interesting. All right? So two tribes tell Moses they want to go in. Moses said that these people that were willing to do without were willing not to have their promised land. If you're not careful, they can discourage you. Hmm? Man, I've fought that for years. Some of you are fighting it right now. Family, friends, co-workers, people you don't even know yet, they're going to come into your life. Why can't you just be happy? Hmm? Why can't you just be happy? You know, it's like I had, a, I had a husband tell a wife years ago. I mean, they came in for counseling years ago. And, uh, and she was talking about stuff that she was not happy with. And I'll never forget, he crossed his arms and he just kind of looked at her and he said, well, I'm still here. I'll never forget her reply. She looked at him and said, so's the dog. <laughs> never forget it. And she said, you know why the dog's still here? He went, no, he knew, he knew then. He knew then. You could see his face. He was like, no. She said, because the neighbor hasn't offered him a better meal. I cringe at conversations like that. <laughs> but see what it was? He was willing to do without. He was willing to do without. And he wanted her to be willing to do without the kind of marriage that she thought they were going to have. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So that willingness not to have the promised land can discourage you also. That word discourage there means to break, to break you. All right, or to forbid or not to permit or stop. So there is a, for, a manifestation of discouragement that comes to break you and to tell you, you, you are not going to have this life. You are not going to have it. You are not, it's not going to come. That's discouragement. Am I making sense to you? Right? So watch out for it. You ready to go look at another one? Numbers 21. I'll try to get there quicker this time. There we go. Here's another manifestation of it. Numbers 21, verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to compass or to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. So the people wanted to go this way. Watch now. The people wanted to go through the land of the Edomites. 
But God told Moses the people aren't strong enough to fight the Edomites yet. So he took them around this way. All right? The people became discouraged because of the way they went instead of the way they wanted to go. You can probably already figure this one out, huh? All right? Discouragement will try to get into your heart. The word discouragement there means uh, they were filled with anxiety. They were annoyed. They had shortness of spirit. Depression because of oppression. So the people were battling anxiety, annoyance, shortness of spirit, and they were depressed. All manifestations of discouragement. Man, this just opens up a lot of understanding, doesn't it? Kind of makes you wonder, you know, about how many of us may be suffering from depression. I know times in my life I've battled depression. Thank God, God gave me, I got the victory. But I didn't know it at the time. What Now, looking at it, I, I guarantee you, I was discouraged. I was discouraged. And probably, truth be known, I was discouraged because the path I was on, I was annoyed with it because it was taking too long. I wanted quicker results. I wanted faster. Come on, don't leave me out here by myself. I wanted, you know, I don't understand. You know, I, what, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm a better preacher than that guy, and how come his church is growing and I'm over here? I'm just telling you the truth. You know, what's the deal? Well, sometimes the path that God takes you down, according to his word, right, you're acting in the word, it may look like you're taking the long way, but in fact, you're taking the best way. You're taking the right way, right? You're going and you have to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. You know, over the years, you know, uh, we felt like God would have us do certain, here in the church, felt like God would have us to do things certain ways. And other people did not do them those ways, and they would blow up really quick. But now, 40 years later, we're still here, and you can't find them. So the point being is that you can't allow yourself to get annoyed because God's way, you don't, maybe don't understand God's way about the path, why he's telling you to do a certain thing that way in the Word. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? You know, I, I've, you know, we've joked around a lot, but, but and I keep coming back to it. You know, one of the big battles in my life, and I was annoyed with it, was God telling me that I needed to love my enemies and pray for those who despitefully use me and bless those that curse me. Curse me. I do not, I still not real in love with that scripture. <laughs> I'm just being honest. God knows, right? But I've made a lot of peace with that verse. And now, years later, I see why he had me walk down that path. Because if I had continued to hate them and continued to curse them, I would have stayed connected to those people for the rest of my life. But now I'm not connected to them. I'm not emotionally connected to them anymore. God has severed that chain. I'm not living attached to the past anymore. So now I can go full bore into the future. I can run and not be weary. I can walk and not faint because I'm not connected to that. Does that make sense to you? See, now I see why he had me take that long way around. Because the short way, continuing to hate, continuing to curse, continuing to want revenge, 
was going to get me destroyed. The nation of Israel could not go through the Edomites. They were not strong enough to overcome the Edomites yet. So they had to go around them. Now they come back later and they overcome them. But not now. Is that making sense to you? Okay. So, you know, if, if, if you start feeling like, you know, you're depressed or you're getting annoyed, watch out. That's discouragement trying to seep into your heart. It's good, huh? Deuteronomy 1. Ten more minutes. Deuteronomy 1, verse 21. Behold, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of your fathers has said unto you, fear not, neither be discouraged. All right? So it's interesting here, isn't it? That he tells them, he set the land in front of them. He tells them to go up and possess it. So God says, he shows you the life you can have. There it is. There's the life you can have. There's the marriage you can have. There's the kids you can have. Come on, jump in with me, right? There's whatever it is, whatever God's put in your heart, right? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not, I shouldn't even be trying to define what the vision is God has put in your heart for your life. Okay? But he, he begins to birth that abundant life in you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, right? You, you begin to see what life can be, not just what life has been or even is. But you begin to see what life can be. So in telling them that, God tells them. Look, it's fascinating, right? He's, look at it again. He said, behold, there's the land. Go up and get it. Fear's coming and so's discouragement. Fear's coming, and so's discouragement. He tells them ahead of time. I'm, I'm telling you, when you go into that land, fear's going to come, and so's discouragement. Isn't that something? So he tells them to fear not and not to be discouraged. Why? Why? Because if God shows you what your life can be, discouragement will try to make you afraid. Ooh. That you can't have it. That you can't enjoy it. Or that even if you get it, you can't keep it. Hmm? The word discouragement there in the literal Hebrew text means to scare, to terrify, to shatter. So God warns us, said, look, when you see the promised land, discouragement is going to come. It's going to try to scare you. It's going to try to terrify you. So now you know. So reject it. So get your growl back. Amen? Get irritated by it. Speak to it. Tell it, no way, Jose. I'm going to have my promised land. We're going to have the marriage that God said we can have. We're going to do things. We're going to prioritize our life. I'm going to live as a disciple. I'm going to, people are going to know I'm a child of God, not just because I say I have faith, but because of my works, the way I live, right? You're going to know my faith. You're going to see my faith and how I live. Come on, that's what James taught us, right? And so I'm going to, possess this and I'm going to own this and I'm not going to be terrified by it. I'm not going to think that I can't have it. I mean, I wonder what would have happened to me if that, if that time there in my eighth grade year when that teacher said to me that I told you earlier, right, 
that you'll never, you'll, 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 he looked right at me. He kept me after class. He said, I'm going to tell you something. You're never going to mount anything. Now, what gives you the right as a teacher to say that to a student? Should have been fired. You don't have the right to speak that way to a student. Who do you think you are? You're not my parent. My parents didn't even talk to me that way. But I wonder what would have happened to me if my personality was of the other type and I'd have taken that in, I probably would not be standing in front of you tonight. But my reaction was, I'm going to prove you wrong. So don't allow the devil to terrify you as you begin to glimpse, I know this sounds weird, but you've got to pay attention to what the scripture is saying. The scripture says that when you see the promised land, discouragement and fear is going to come and try to terrify you and make you back away from it. So be aware of that. Amen? Amen. Be aware of it and be prepared for it. Okay, verse 28. We looked at this last time we were together. So whether shall we go up our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people are greater and taller than we, the cities are great and walled up to heaven. Boy, that's an exaggeration. And moreover, we've seen the sons of, of the Anakims there or the giants. Now, this is the definition we looked at last time. It says that their hearts turned to water. Now, what made their hearts turn to water, writing this down, was the size of the problem. They just saw it, right? The people are big. The walls are big. The cities are big. Everybody's big. And there's giants there on top of that. So they're all big, but then there's even bigger than big. The size of the problem will try to discourage you. The word discourage means to, to melt or turn your heart to water. Now, it happened to the ten spies, but it didn't happen to Joshua and Caleb. They were presented with the same giants, the same cities, the same big guys, the same everything, but they did not let their hearts turn to water. So let's be Joshua and Caleb. Hmm? And when we start feeling that intimidation factor coming because of the size of the problem, let's pick I am able. Let's choose courage and not discouragement. All right, real quick, can I give you some cures for discouragement? Got a couple of them, three of them. The first one's found in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 with David. We've looked at this so many times, right? They're in Ziklag. Remember the story? And the Amalekites came in. The men are all away. And the Amalekites come in and burn their city, take all their possessions and their wives and their children. The men of Israel come back, David and his guys, and they come back and they find this devastation. And the Bible said that they all wept until they had no more power to weep. And then the hearts of the men with David turned bitter. You got to watch out for bitterness. Okay, bitterness always springs up in a discouraged heart. you got to watch out for bitterness. And it says, but David. So the hearts of David's men, they were together in the weeping, but then their hearts turned bitter and they wanted to stone David. Well, that's a brilliant reaction. Is stoning David going to get your wives and your children back? No. Now you're going to kill God's anointed king and you thought you've had problems. Huh? And it's, it's an amazing thing, right? You got to really watch out 
when you get in those high-pressure deals that, that you put the blame where the blame is due. It wasn't David's fault. It was the Amalekites' fault. Don't hate David. Hate the Amalekites. But here's what David said. David said, the Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, which meant he had courage. He became discouraged, but now he got his courage back. All right? The literal text said he fastened himself to the Lord. Discouragement comes to pull you away from the Lord, to pull you away from God's Word, to pull you away from your relationship with God, to make you think that Jesus is letting you down, to make you think that, you know, this is whatever, right? He's trying to push you away. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Trying to separate you. David pushed through that and fastened himself to the Lord. I think David went to the Lord and said, you know what, I don't know what happens over to these guys, but I'm not walking away from you. Those guys are walking away, but I'm not walking away from you. I'm staying right here with you. I don't like what happened right here, but I think somehow, someway, you're, you're somehow, somehow. And the Bible said he encouraged himself. And then you know, some of you heard me teach on this when life doesn't play along. This is one of the verses that got me up, right? It says that David chose to be recovered. So he wept until there was no more power to weep. And then he said, that's it. I choose to be recovered. I'm now okay. I still miss my wife, still miss my kids, don't have any of my stuff, but I'm now okay. I cannot get up from this place of hurt and pain and sadness and potential bitterness unless I decide that right here, right now, I'm going to get better. I'm better. I choose to be recovered. That is so powerful. It's so powerful. You've got to choose to be recovered before you feel recovered, before you look recovered. I'm just telling you. Speaking of the end from the beginning. So David, so you choose to be, to, to be recovered. He fastened himself. It also means to inspire with confidence and approval. So David, listen to this. David began to inspire himself with confidence and approval. David, you're a good guy. You're a good king. You're a good guy, David. You're going to be all right. I know those guys are picking up rocks, but I'm a good guy. It's incredible. Sometimes you need to do that. How many of you know what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes you know, well, I, I need somebody to encourage me. You may need to encourage yourself. Amen? Amen? Here's another one, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't think you can say that verse enough. I don't think you can confess that verse enough, particularly if you're brand new in the house, if you're brand new in the kingdom. I don't think you can say that verse enough. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. You know, the, the, the secular guys have taken that and cut off the last part, but it's the last part that makes the first part worth anything. Amen. Right? Without him, you can't do anything you need to get done. But with him, you can do all things. All right? I can do all things. All right, John 16, Jesus said, in the world you have temptations, tests, and trials. Have courage. Have courage. Have courage. Courage and discouragement are always standing side by side. When discouragement comes, courage doesn't leave. It's just that our focus moved to discouragement, just shifted back to courage. I choose courage. I reject discouragement. Right? The last one is Luke 4, 4 verse 16. 
Jesus said, I've come to heal the broken hearted. Remember what one of the definitions of, of faint was? To break. Right? So Jesus comes to heal the broken hearted. If you're really battling discouragement, ask Jesus to heal your discouraged heart. Oh, let me try that again. I said, ask Jesus to heal your discouraged heart. Ask him to heal. Amen. If you learned something tonight, give the Lord a great hand clap. Amen. Beautiful night in the house of God. All right, West Side, we love you. See you next time. Stand to your feet with me, please. It's a good teaching, huh? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Amen. Now, next week, next week, we're going to look at all this about the nation of Israel and the promised land from a totally different perspective. You're going to really like it. It's going to really help you. All right? It's going to really help you. All right? And then the week after that, because, you know, when the nation of Israel went in the promised land, they had to overcome 31 kings and cities. And God has put it in my heart to share with you something I've never shared before, the kings that I've had to conquer in my life as an encouragement for you, the kings that I've had to conquer. You'll be surprised what's on the list. All right? So be thinking about that. And then the last week, I'm going to wrap it up, Hot Fudge Sunday, extra hot fudge. Amen. Lift your hands towards heaven. Father, I realize in a room this size tonight and people watching online that there are probably, possibly, probably people here tonight that have discouraged hearts. And tonight I ask you to heal those hearts. If that's you tonight, just start saying, yes, Lord. Amen, Lord. Heal my heart. I believe you're healing my heart. I believe you're healing my heart. I believe I'm getting my courage back right here as I stand here in your house tonight. I believe it's coming back. I'm going to burn the white flag. I'm going to, I reject compromise. I reject being told, well, that's probably not going to work. What if it doesn't work? What if it does? Pray for them, Lord. Pray for all of us tonight. God, all of us battle. I mean, there in Deuteronomy, you said just looking at the kingdom of God, just seeing the life that God has for you, discouragement and fear will try to creep in right there. Satan comes to steal the word. So we're armed now. We know what's going on. We're not little babes in the woods. We're soldiers in your, in your army. You said we were. We're sons and daughters of God. Not babes. We're sons and daughters of God. We're going to fight the good fight. And we're reminded tonight of your, of your instruction in Matthew when Jesus, when you said, the kingdom of heaven alloweth violence and the violent take it by force. So we're going to possess our promised land. I'm going to have that abundant life. I'm going to live the way God wants me to live because it's going to give me the abundant life. I'm going to believe what God tells me to give. I don't care who tells me it doesn't work. I don't care who tries to discourage me or dislodge me. I'm going to believe it. I'm going for it. I'm not going to be talked out of it because there's a problem. I'm going to overcome the problems through your power. In Jesus' name, and everyone that agreed said, Amen. Amen. Could I have every head bowed and every eye closed?
Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.